Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, everybody. And this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers Radio, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert. I want to say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to live and think for yourself, not convert you. And I appreciate each one of you all who are listening in live, who will enjoy the archives. Um, you know, we appreciate you. I have Raina on the line with us tonight. Hi, Raina. Hey, how are you? Hey, good. And yourself? I'm okay. There you go. I still think that song is speeding up and slowing down. I'm like, okay, the first time, because <laughs> I re-uploaded it for this format. And uh, the first time, I thought it was, you know, you know, we do the shows kind of early on a Sunday morning, you know, and some days I'm a little bit discombobulated. And I'm like, is this song speeding up and slowing down? I heard it again tonight, but I did take my medicine. So it may be me. We're going to listen to it in the middle of a day one day and we'll see how that sounds. Wonder how Imani the Misfit is doing. Hi, Imani. We miss you, baby. Thank you for everything. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So today we're talking about Black Lives Matter. 
standing in solidarity with Ferguson protesters. And, you know, first thing I want to do is give it up for everybody across this country that has been coming out, you know, protesting on the street, protesting social media, writing their blogs, you know, doing the podcast, all of that. This all, it all matters. It all matters. This is how we communicate. Yeah, this is how we communicate with one another. And this is the reason why you see these large gatherings across the country. And we organized and we were telling people, you know, how to, you know, get with other folks. Um, If you want to do a Google search, do a Google search on Ferguson Action. And it's telling you about the different cities, different people you can get with in each city, um, the organizers, um, where you can donate money, um, live feeds, a bunch of stuff that's out there. And I would say it's on my wall. It is on my wall, but it's very deep because, you know, me and this voice software, it shut my computer down once today. I think my software is saying, we tired of you today. So, you know, so um, it's, it's out there. I'll try to post it again a little bit later. Um, you can also look up Surge, S-U-R-J. Google that as well. I'll post that after the show also. But it's been, you know, uh, it's been an interesting 24 hours. I, I did not expect them to indict Darren Wilson. I think many of us knew that that would not be the case, but it still doesn't make it hurt any less. Because what I perceive from this particular situation and 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 what they are telling me, you know, as far as how I'm perceiving it is black lives don't matter. That they refuse to acknowledge our humanity. And it was time for us to make a change. It's time for us to make a change. I mean, in Ferguson, over 70% of the population is of color, is black people. But yet, is run. this town is run by white people with maybe one or two blacks peppering in here and there. And, you know, it's not just Ferguson. This is happening all across the country. I posted an article last week and it was talking about how Ferguson was not an anomaly, that in many cities and towns across the United States is the same scenario. And what it is, is it's a money-making, you know, opportunity because the fines and the fees and, you know, all of the, the, the city things that you need to get. I know Chicago, we have the city sticker. And if you live on a private block, you have to buy an extra sticker, you know, because it has permits. So you have to buy that permit. You have to buy your state sticker. And they know people have to pay these things. And if you don't, you get all of these tickets, which means more fines and more fees. And if you are a person that is unemployed or underemployed, you know, we have the working poor in this country. And I mean, there's really no middle class anymore. The middle class pretty much has been crushed. You are either super filthy rich or you're poor. And I believe the majority of us, 99.9% of the people that I interact with, we fall on a poor, you know, and I'm not even sure about that point one that I think I know because people get the front on Facebook, but that's a whole different story. We're not here to talk about that tonight. But 
Uh, it was just, it's, it's interesting how all of this is coming about. And I know you all have, you know, I want you to call in. I want you to express yourself. I want you to give your voice to this situation because we understand. And this is one way that we can kind of vent a little bit, but also explore solutions and, and, and share information that some people may not know. I know I posted an article about the French justice minister condemning you know, the actions of the police in Ferguson and was quoting Bob Marley, as a matter of fact, you know, and basically it was like, kill them before they grow. And I posted that on the wall. And again, you know, it's not just with Mike Brown, you know, we have Trayvon, we have Renisha McBride, we got Tamir Rice, um, Raina, name some more folks. It's a whole bunch. Rakia Boyd. That's right. And, um, and more, I, I mean, I can't even, I mean, Ramarley Graham, you know, yeah. I mean, too, so, too many, too many. Yeah. Exactly. It's too many. And what we want to make sure that you all know and understand is that it's not just black men. Black women are killed at the same rate. They are being incarcerated, actually, at a higher rate than black men. You know, this is turned around. And now they are incarcerating, you know, black women. And what we need for you all to understand that it is all, all of this is predicated on money. Because a lot of these jail institutions are private and they've been trying to privatize it across the board. And another thing you need to understand is that, you know, we do have some of these prison industrial complex systems that are on the market. So they are on the stock market. And with many of them, they have contracts with the state. And this is where the state policing and the state violence comes in. The way that these contracts are set up is that the state guarantees them that they will have a certain percentage of beds full or filled in their jail systems. And even if they do not have those beds filled, they still have to pay that, that you know, company. That is how the contract is written. In addition to that, I'm going to pull in, you know, what's happening with immigration. A lot of people don't realize it's the same setup when we when they detain the immigrants that they want to send back. The, the number one airline in the in, in this country, you've never had a chance to buy a ticket or to ride on it unless you were. Yeah, unless you were an immigrant who came without the invite. But they make right. loads of money. Exactly. And so this is what we're trying to get you all to understand. And, you know, yesterday and I posted. Run, and they run a lot of the detention centers. The largest, one of the largest detention centers is, I think, either it either opened this month or it's getting ready to open very soon in Texas, um, is, is run um, by a mm -hmm. private um, corporation that also is responsible for running a number of prisons. So. Exactly. So we want you to understand, you know, how we are a commodity. And, and, and that is what, you know, they're making money. And I mean, for those that understand how the stock market works, you can make money when the stock market goes up and you can make money when the stock market goes down. You just have to know how to hedge your bets. You have to understand, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. But anyway, the and telephone number to call. You don't even realize. Oh. Go ahead. go ahead, baby. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Some of you don't even realize. Some, I was going to say some of you don't even realize that you're invested in some of these companies because 
some of them are, um, you know, are are tied up in pension and, uh, you know, retirement mm-hmm. plans. And some of them are, are, you know, funding, you know, some of them might even be funding your child's education, you know, your exactly. funds and what have you. You have to check and see what companies you're invested with. But some of them are these companies that disproportionately incarcerate and mistreat people of color. So. Exactly. And to me, that's one of the things that we need to put on the agenda, you know, that I see these young people and I'm proud of you, babies. I really am the millennialist, you know, these young women that are standing up, standing up and taking the lead and taking charge. And and they are absolutely rejecting these religious platitudes, and which is why I don't understand this commission that, you know, Ferguson has put together, has two pastors, two black pastors, and it has, you know, a bunch of educated blacks on there. And I saw one person who may be, you know, some type of community activist, but that's too many folks. It should be more community activists than pastors and, and you know, EDDs and JDs on that panel. Now, it is needed. A JD is needed. An EDD is needed. I'll even let one of the pastors, you know, just so they can say that they have one. But the rest of those people should have been community and grassroots activists. And I'm sure that they can expand that commission, you know, and, and, and add people to it because well, they I need to press matters it. Which, I think it also matters which clergy members are on there because there's a gentleman down there um, and I forget his name, but he's um, he was on the Democracy Now! Um, show and um he's a he's a clergy member um but he is also um you know he's also very well spoken and he um understands the the real issues that are going on here and he doesn't right you know he doesn't spread a whole lot of empty empty platitudes about how you know uh, the lord will make a way and you know all this other stuff you know what i mean right and he doesn't shame and he doesn't shame those who are rioting um, exactly. Because he feels that he feels that, you know, we're, you know, by focusing on rioting, we're asking, we're asking really the wrong questions. You know, we don't exactly. ask, we shouldn't be asking why people um, are rioting. We should be asking why we aren't, we aren't, why aren't we listening? Exactly. Exactly. Why do we ignore and- these people. You know? Exactly. And and like you said earlier, you know, we should not even be referring to them as rioters. You know, how right. should we be referring okay. to them, Raina? Um, as a as a gentleman on a Democracy Now, I can't remember his name now, um, stated we should be calling them pro democracy demonstrators or That's right. you know, or anti structural racism demonstrators. You know, these That's people right. you know, they, they realize that the system is not is not here to protect them and you know it's it it may seem um extreme or you know people may want to decry the violence but they're not willing to decry the violence that is happening against black and brown people in this exactly every day this is property we can replace property property we have insurance to restore property we cannot restore black lives Exactly. Exactly. You know, 
psychologically, you know, we are being violated every day. You know, psychological violence is inflicted upon us every day. And is you know, we're beyond fed up. And these young folks are like, oh, it's breaking up? On your end, it bre- you're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if it's I, my phone or if it's you or... Yeah, I can hear pretty good. But I'm I'm saying with the young people out here, you know, I'm pretty proud of them and I'm happy that they're out here protesting. And again, for those of you who aren't sure, you may want to check to see what your 401k or your 404, you know, even with your um, IRA. color, you need to start putting pressure on them to divest of those particular companies. And pressure needs to be applied there as well. And so I just think it's important that, you know, we try to look at all of these different ways we can, you know, put pressure on them because I posted shut them down by public enemy last night. And one of the hashtags that's being used is shut it down. And this is what we've been seeing parts of this, 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 um, the past 24 hours. And they shut down a few bridges in New York City and New Jersey. They marched from um, Clark Atlanta University, which has Morehouse, Clark, Spelman. They marched from there to the CNN Center. You know, while they were there, they should have been demanding that Don Lemon be fired. But, you know, <laughs> I'm at the I'm going to send them a note next time yeah. y'all march to CNN. But Don Lemon's <laughs> ass is in Ferguson. So when he was uh, broadcasting live last night, one of the protesters walked by and said, fuck CNN real life. <laughs> oh, girl, it gave me life, okay? And so Uh-oh. I was sitting there and, you know, I mean, some of this, you know, you got to find some levity somewhere. And, and, you know, we try to get a little laughter in. I know I posted a tweet earlier today in which some of the, you know, because you see a lot of this racism on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll get to that in a minute. But um, this one racist white person was saying, well, when white people die, we don't riot. And the black person responded and they said, no, you call it wars, honey. And so so that's the difference right there. That is the difference. And so, again, um, you know, addressing, you know, a lot of the things that I've seen coming out of some white people's mouths, I mean, it's been absolutely astonishing. And they don't understand why some of their, you know, some of their states are racist sexist, you know, and and all of the isms and phobias that, you know, that they claim to be against. Now, some of these people are so-called allies. We've been talking till we've turned blue and it's hard for, because, you know, I'm pretty dark, you know, I have a nice dark complexion here. It's hard for me to turn blue. And I have been turning blue, trying to explain this stuff to people. And like I posted that picture of like this one young man, you know, talking to a brick wall, trying to explain privilege. That is what it feels like to us. 
in many cases because a lot of you all you act like you don't get it i don't believe it and you, you can't possibly be that slow and i believe you get it you just want to continue to have some type of plausible deniability and one person who i know absolutely gets it in in this secular community in particular is greta christina and what's ironic is she turned around and she had to block a black atheist out there who made some ignorant comments. And I believe many of us have been on, you know, having a block party the past couple of days. We've had a you know block what? party. I have to say, I mm -hmm. have to say that I have been lucky not to have that be the case. But I have to say, though, I am disappointed. Not that I haven't had the opportunity to block people, but because I feel like a lot of <laughs> the white people, the white people who I'm friends with have been dead silent. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. On this yes. issue. And, and I'm, I'm disappointed they were silent on this issue. Um, in August, when this tragedy took place, they were right. silent when the Zimmerman trial was over. And when they did say something during the Zimmerman trial, we were blocking people like nobody's business for the ignorance. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and even now, you know, what you all don't seem to understand, and I've said this on many occasions, and I see we got a call holding. I'm going to get to you in a minute. Um, your silence is tacit agreement. Your silence makes you complicit. And this is what we've said all along. And our viewpoints have not changed. And, you know, what's interesting is, you know, I had someone ask me some questions and I gave them honest answers to which I have not received a response. But I got the funny feeling they ain't going to ask me no more questions anytime soon. And so, you know, <laughs> you know, because I let them have it. I let the, the um, Christian community have it. I'm letting the secular community have it because, again, these people are complicit. They understand and they know what we have been talking about as far as social justice is concerned. You can call me a social justice warrior all you want. I do not care. That has no bearing on me and what I'm trying to achieve with with you know, these groups and with these conferences. This is for the betterment of our community. And, you know, truth be told, atheist community, we are the best thing that came along for you because you do have a PR problem. You know, but yeah. anyway, <laughs> they really do. The call-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, that's 310-982-4273. Let's pull our caller in. We have 215. May we ask who's calling? Hi, it's Jen. How are you? Hey, Jen. How you doing? Hey, Jen. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that feeling, girl. Let it out. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I woke. I woke up around midnight last night and saw things going off the chain. And oh man, I didn't get to sleep till about four thirty, but I had to be to work by um, six thirty. So that, you know how that worked out for me today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. And it was just, it's, it's like, you know, I post, I was posting last night and I woke up this morning and I posted again and I just got so exhausted reading, you know, I was sitting back and reading some of the paperwork, some of the legal documents, and I just got tired. I had to take a nap after I woke up. It was it's just, it's unreal, absolutely unreal. And, and this is what I don't get. Mike Brown, Michael Brown was literally demonized by Darren Wilson. He said that he looked like a demon. Have you all read these documents? Have yes, you all yes, seen yes. some of, yeah. You know, he said he literally looked like a demon. And that, you know, me and Raina was talking about this earlier. And, and Raina said oh, that that tethers back to the story that, you know, was released last week saying how white people see some black folks as superhuman. And, and, and you know, you're seeing this guy as a demon. And what did you say? He said, you know, they also said he looked like Hulk Hogan. And Raina, did right. you want to pontificate on that? Well, no, I was just going to say it's, um, it's, it's basically about, so, so that, that article said that white people see black people as superhuman and the article sort of misspoke, right? It's sort of a, sort of a title for clickbait, right? But this right. is something that, you know, if you've studied psychology or, you know, history, you kind of, kind of know there's a book called, you know, um, well, actually, you can look at start with medical apartheid, really, really, um, because that book in that book, it details how, um, you know, how black people were seen as being able to to take more pain or handle, you know, more severe work, you know, that, um, you know, that we, right. you know, and, and to the point that, like, even when we got sick, you know, they, you know, doctors would prescribe whippings because they didn't believe that we really were human beings. You know, we were beasts. We were beasts of burden. So there, there, even even with the Tuskegee study, one of the reasons that the Tuskegee study was done is because there was a belief that black people. Um, our, our disease pathologies work differently in black and white bodies. There was an idea that there was a, a more of a um, sort of a pulmonary response in, I think, I, I forget if it was in whites or blacks, but they thought it was whatever. But basically there was thought to be different, different disease progressions in white and black people. And that's part of why they did the study because they didn't think that we're the same. And obviously the science now demonstrates that we're the same. But what we've been telling you all in the atheist community is science and logic is not enough because race remains a social construct, which informs all of our lives. It's not just black lives. It informs your life. It informs how you see yourself in the world and what expectations you have. Look at the number of people who killed themselves after the last financial crisis, right, or or after or or after Obama got reelected, right? There was all of these reports. Hello, are you yeah. still there? Okay, there were all these reports about families, right, where like the patriarch would kill off the entire family and then kill themselves, and it had a lot to do with 
their expectations about where they're about what their lives were supposed to be based on being white males of a certain class of a certain educational background you know what i mean so this is what it comes from this notion that black people you know when black people smoke marijuana despite the fact that everyone who's ever smoked marijuana or been around people that smoke marijuana everyone knows that if anything it makes you mellow and sleepy right right (laughs) somehow there's this belief you know, I mean, and, and this is re- basically where marijuana prohibition came came from. There's this belief that somehow exactly. with black and brown bodies, we be, you know, it's, it makes us crazed. You know, it makes us, you know, uncontrollable and wild. You know, somehow this drug that we all know makes you mellow and sleepy is supposed to have a PCP-like effect in a black body, which is just insane. insane. I mean... <laughs> exactly. But these are the arguments it, that you hear. This is the argument that you heard in the trademark Trayvon Martin case. This is even the argument that you're hearing now with with Mike Brown. Right. You know, and even with Rakia Boyd. Remember, they said that yeah, they absolutely. found you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so again, it's you know, is is I think it's ironic that they want to criminalize those that do partake of marijuana while in the same breath trying to find a way to capitalize off the marijuana um, industry in which, you know, they're opening these dispensaries all around the country. But, you know, Black people are race, you know, arrested more for marijuana offenses. Um, And again, their sight is more too. And it was so funny because, you know, um, you know, now they're starting to have these, these marijuana farmers markets. Yep. And that's so crazy to me. So, so, uh, so a street level salesman who's basically already running a farmer's market, right? He just doesn't have like the pretty tables and displays, right? That is illegal. You know what I mean? But we could have exactly. farmers markets for marijuana. That's crazy to me. Right. But as long as they're profiting from it. Right. And and, and that's what matters. And and again, like I said, this solidarity with, with Ferguson, you know, is, is more than the death of Mike Brown. It's more to it. It's it's about having our humanity recognized. It's about, you know, having it recognized, acknowledged, and you and celebrated, god damn it. I feel it should be because again, you know, what's interesting is one of the things that you well is many things, but again, you know, you have these people out here that put us down, put down our culture until they find a way that they can, you know, profit from it, until they find a way to monetize it. And, and, you know, in the same breath, you know, they're calling us the N word. And again, you know, just looking at this, and like I said, I'm looking at, you know, the the so-called secular community over here and the silence has been absolutely deafening. And not only from white, not from, not only from white secularists, but also certain black secularists. 
they will not utter a word. And again, as I've stated in the past, your silence will not protect you. And right now I'm focused on something else, but I wrote it down to make my way back to you by the end of this year, beginning of next year. So I forgot about you. I just ain't got time for you right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's Santa Kim. I made a list and I'm checking it twice. How about that? Uh-uh. And um, putting them on the atheist prayer list. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> on the atheist <laughs> prayer list. That's right. Santa Kim, I'm checking it twice, motherfuckers. I'm coming for you. Trust me. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and so, no, I mean, I don't want to, and, and, and like, like I said, you know, it's, it's with all of the violence that we see in this country, with all of the anti-blackness, with school segregation on the rise, with, you know, living wage jobs, you know, on, you know, not increasing, you know what I mean? With the difficulty right. that, you know, young people are finding getting into college, paying for college. I mean, there are, there are articles out now where, you know, people, you know, all of these for-profit universities, a lot of people right. have gone to, a lot of people of color have gone to them and found that their, exactly. their degrees are worthless on the open market. You know what I mean? So there are all, there are so many pitfalls that one can, right. can find oneself in just because one is, is born black or brown in this country and it is it is insane that to think that people should react calmly to right. violence these are people mm-hmm. who are supposed to protect us now i'm not exactly. saying that violence is the answer i'm saying that i understand the reaction the reaction exactly. is sane the reaction is sanity the reaction that exactly. you're seeing out there, that is sanity. Because you exactly. cannot you cannot be expected to react and calmly. And what else do you have to lose if it's open season, you know, on black people? That's right. You know, what is That's exactly. Right. So why That's right. so, and, and, and be and, and our, our silence and our and our and our peacefulness has not bought us anything in the in the intervening what, sixty years? Right. right and uh, and and, and prayer and prayer too right it has bought us nothing if anything it has it has cost us exactly you know what i mean because we because we let, we went home we thought we had made it we thought at last we will be ex- we will be welcomed okay and let's talk about this little narrative that obama's been right. selling y'all cuz I got problems. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know. I want to know where he where he got this narrative from that we were all just mm-hmm. welcomed in here because some of us are still waiting on our welcome and some of us are still strangers <laughs> in our own country. We're strangers in our own country. That's how it feels. That's how we're exactly. treated. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And what's interesting is, you know, the the so-called welcome that Barack Obama, you know, alleges that we should have. The only reason why he has any welcome is because they're trying to go over to Kenya to steal that oil they just discovered over there in the past few years. 
Right. But mm-hmm. that's a whole different story because, I mean, again, you know, it, 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 it boils down to money. But no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And you cannot behavior your way out of racism. It does not work. It does not work. Just right. You know, just like you can't legislate morality, you cannot legislate ethical behavior. And and what I'm talking about in that particular context is we cannot legislate that white people have to treat us with humanity. They will find a way to, you know, I mean, you just can't do it. And it's innate in in many of these people. And And, go ahead. And I was going to say, and I was going to say, the the problem, again, is structural racism, right? Right. So it's not even so, it's not even so much about individual people being, you know, being mean to each other, because that's what a lot of people are talking about when they're talking about racism, right? Right. So, you know, yes, yes, white people, there are black people who don't like white people, you know, because they're white. Okay. Yes, that right. exists. Okay, but those people they they lack the uh, the privilege and investment in a structure that can actually oppress you. So I really don't care about them, and we're not talking right. about them because I don't care. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and, we're talking right. about structural racism, and we're talking. Right. And I actually had someone today saying that asked me if it would make a difference if Darren Wilson or was was black. And I said, no, it wouldn't make a difference at all because he would still be a part of a a uh, a system and a culture, right? Because the police culture is anti-black. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right? The, the, exactly. the law, the laws in Missouri that allow you to shoot a felon that's fleeing from a, a felon or suspected felon, fleeing from you, right? As a police officer, exactly. is an anti-black law. Period. Exactly. And the because I how- say that is because is because black people have a very oppositional relationship to police authority, to law enforcement, because of the history of law enforcement being used to repress black people. Exactly. So we, don't have, we don't have a friendly relationship with police because of that, and it continues to this day. Exactly. And that's why I'm I'm listening to what you just said. An alleged you know, felon, you know, so you're not sure if that person is a felon, but they're running and you're going to shoot first and then ask questions as they're laying on the ground, bleeding to death. Right. And the the (laughs) other thing about that is, is like what, what kind of, it doesn't even specify what kind of felon because there's different kinds of felonies. Not all felonies are violent felonies. Right. So So not all of them are, are related to violent crimes. So I think in exactly. my mind, personally, you know, there, there's, a, there's a difference between a violent felon and a, and, and a petty thief. Exactly. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. Personally, I put lives above property. And so that's why I'm kind of flabbergasted at people who, who come to me with this, you know, with, who are more upset about the riots than they are about the, the grand jury decision. I, I can't understand that. <laughs> right and, and they're more that. upset right they're more upset because you know they to the crib and walks get their favorite snacks that means to them than black lives that are just being you know taken out snuffed out at the will of any police officer and and you know what's interesting about that is 
you know, to bring charges against a police officer, you know, is extremely difficult. The system is set up so that you can't necessarily bring charges against, you know, a police officer. And we'll post some links on that a little bit later, but we just want you all to be able to understand that the system is set up so that these people in so-called power, they can abuse their power, they can abuse their authority with impunity for the most part. And we need for you all to understand that. And that is why we need to start putting some pressure on these folks and making some demands and sticking with it. Because as I stated before, a lot of the gains that we achieved with the civil rights movement, as well as the feminist movement, the black power movement of that day, we've lost those gains and some. And now we are starting all over again. And this is the thing, this is why it's important to pass this information down to your children. It's important for those that are at home and they're watching the news and their children are watching it, explain to them what happened, make sure that they do not forget. Because see, it seems as though black people, we're the only ones playing by the damn rules. Everybody else is doing whatever they want, but as we play by the rules, we are constantly being thrown under the bus. And yeah, but let's, and, let's go back to the violence, though, because I want to talk about violence for a second. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Let's talk about violence okay. because I, I want to go back to violence because I want us to understand, to think about violence in a very different way than we're conditioned to think about violence, right? So right. Everything under your feet right now, the, the, the computer that you're using, the food that you eat, comes from violence exactly that's where it comes from it is it is the result of colonialism of imperialism of exploitation of you know of the revolutionary war which was not peaceful there there have been very few movements in history really but particularly in the history of the united states right right that have been peaceful Exactly. Exactly. A handful of peaceful movements in this country, and 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 most of them happened during the civil rights movement. So, black people, we know this peace thing very well. Exactly. It was very well. And what's interesting about it is, you know, again, you know, we did have the peaceful protests, and you know, even that is was co-opted by mainstream America in an effort to, right. you know, find a way to corporatize it. But yes, exactly. So it's like they want to, you know, show their violence. Because I mean, everything that this country was on, from the day that they, you know, Columbus got lost and and, and they figured out that they were close to lost. the new world. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's, that, that's that bull. That's that, that's that bull. Don't let them tell that story. <laughs> But ever since Columbus, you know, since they came to this country, it has all, everything has been predicated on violence. Everything, Everything. you know, the taking of the land, you know, they were raping and pillaging the indigenous people to this country. They brought, you know, African slaves over here. Now the indigenous people were enslaved as well. And the white people who were brought to this country as indentured servants, after seven years, they were free. 
And initially, that's how it was set up for people of color. But go and look up John Punch and you'll understand, you know, where all of that came from. But everything that has happened, every this country is built on violence. And then they want to ask us, where do we learn these things? We learned it from you. Right. We learned it from you. And and what what's interesting is, you know, they, you know, they herald and they laud the protests in these other countries that they're angry with, like Syria and Egypt and all of these other places. So when the people over there organize and protest, you know, America's like, yes, democracy, yay. But then when this protest in this country, shoot them down like the dogs that they are. Right. And and, and yeah. the whole thing. And, and, and what's interesting is some of these white people are going rants. Have you all heard Ted Nugent's response to, to Ferguson? Oh, my. wow. Do we have to? No, oh. we don't have to. You know, but okay. I thought he was going I thought he was going to leave after Obama was elected. He lied. He's a liar. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting here and we have to hear this. We have to hear this. We have to see it. But not only are we hearing it from some white people, we're hearing this from some black people as well. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it kind of ties into what we talked about um, a couple of days ago. When we talked about the respectability politics. And this kind of plays into it. And we're not going to get into it too much because we want to talk about, you know, this Ferguson and, and how it affects the rest of the country. But in addition to that, we're, we're encouraging those of you people of color that live in these towns and cities. You need to do an assessment of that town and city. You know, are black people disproportionately jailed, fined? Um, and, and mistreated. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you need to, you know, do an assessment where you live because again, Ferguson is not an anomaly. This happens in Chicago. This happens in Detroit. This happens in Baltimore. This happens in Philly. This happens in LA. And again, we just have to take an assessment and start making some real demands because when you start messing with their pocketbooks, you know, it turns into a different story. You know, everybody knows how I feel. Vote all of these bastards out. Vote them out. And let's start all over again. But again, you know, it's, it's more than just voting, you know, people in and out of office. It's about policy change. It's about, you know, and even if we change the policies and we voted out a lot of these, you know, charlatans that we have in office now, that still does not mean that white people will look at us human beings mm-hmm. and you know and, and it's a shame because you I, I like to give people some type of comparison because I've talked to some Christians different formats black white you know Latino Christians and what's interesting is when some of them get on the topic of LGBTQ they make the same accusations and cast the same aspersions on that community that that some whites cast upon us and it's it's just absolutely interesting when you see you know a lot of this stuff is mirrored but again <laughs> we have to start calling this out you can't let this slide when you see people, and it's just interesting because I know we have a lot of allies out there, 
But with some of these allies, they're actually worse than the, some of the races that we're dealing with and contending, contending with, you know, on a head to head basis. Because, you know, unfortunately, in this country, a black person can make statements and give you the evidence about a situation that has been ongoing for centuries. And people will boo-hoo and ignore them, but then a white person comes along and says the same thing, and they become a millionaire just repeating what they heard us say. And I think we need to get over that. We need to stop doing that. So, you know, it's just, it's the whole thing is, you know, interesting. Did you all get a chance to look at those legal documents? Um, I got to look at Darren Wilson's testimony. And that's about mm -hmm. all I got to look at for right now. Okay. And through it but it was just like it's one of those things I have to put down and I'm gonna have to come back to it yeah right exactly. right so yeah it's just interesting because again they're talking you know white people are saying they don't riot but you know the way that they react after sporting events and you know when they're trying to go and find a pumpkin it's, <laughs> it's just <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, getting mad, setting a car on fire, flipping it on this roof because their football team lost, you know, setting a bus on fire because their baseball team won, you know, the hockey team lost, you know, they started rioting for that. As a matter of fact, I remember there being some violence um, after the Stanley Cup. That's that that's that soccer. So yeah, it's it's just no, it's really interesting. Cup, no, that's that's hockey. That's, that's hockey. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay, well yeah. And, uh, and, after, and after and, and after um, Paterno got fired, you know. Yep. Exactly. Phillies uh, World Series. I remember driving through that area <laughs> right after the right after the riot that night. Oh, it was destroyed. Right. Yeah, because that was in 2011, and they turned over the news truck and angry because that coach got fired because he ignored the other coach that was that was sexually abusing children and you right. know i'm just sitting here and you know i'm just like so again you know vilifying no, us no, but, when, but when but when people when when uh you know when white people decide to go on killing sprees or riots, you know, there had to be something wrong. There had to be a reason. Right. They had to be they right. had to be mentally ill or, or something. You know? Right. Right, right, right. Because when a black person you know, it's because you know, in in nature we are they're violent. Devils because because they're devils. That's right, that's right. But when a white person Something is wrong with little Bartholomew, you know, you know, so, right, right, so right, you know, right. it's, it's always some type of excuse and they try to find exactly. some type of justification. And, and I mean, even with our children, with our babies, they do not see our babies as babies. They see our babies as young adults which is why they are treated differently, which is why they have no problem putting a nine year old 
um, you know, bringing a nine-year-old child to trial as an adult. You know, and 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 this happens all across the country, and we need to start being vocal about this. And you know, it's, it's just so much that's happening. And our telephone number again is three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. Again, that's three one zero nine eight two four two seven three. And if you would like to speak with us, you must press one. So. Again, um, you know, with just the protests that are happening across the country, and I have to give it up for everybody in all of these cities that are going out, that are protesting, that are, you know, telling their truth, speaking their truth to power. Again, that is needed. And, and, and okay, here we go. You all know I would be remiss if I don't say anything about the secular community. Again, do we have anybody on the ground there? And I'm not talking about the ACLU. I'm not talking about Amnesty International. I'm not talking about Doctors Without Borders. They sent people down there. I'm talking about has anybody from these atheist organizations sent anyone down there? Now, I've given money. I've given money to some of these organizations, you know, um, given money to send a contingent of people from Chicago down to Ferguson, you know, because I wasn't able to go. I can't. And so, you know, we're doing all that we can to support those who are going down there um, to show support to those people. But are you, I mean, even if you're not in Ferguson, are any of our so-called secularists, atheists, free thinkers, humanists, skeptics, non-believers, whatever you're called, agnostics, whatever you're calling yourself today. Okay, you couldn't make it to Ferguson, but have you found a protest in a city near you? And did you make an effort to go? And even if you didn't make an effort to go, did you at least try to send them $20? Did you at least yep. try to send them a case of water? Did you so you don't have the means, and that's fine. We understand. Have you at least sent them a kind word? Come on, that's free. You be on set, you be on Facebook sexting inboxing people all damn day long. You can do that, but you can't say you good job and then keep up the good work to somebody. Seriously? No, because they're they're concerned about Charles Manson and Bill Cosby right now. You know. Mm-mm. Yeah. And, and they're too busy spending time attacking believers. But let me tell you about exactly. some of these believers. They have been opening their churches. They have been opening their homes. They have. They are organized. See, that's the problem. And not that's just, the difference. And not just in response to Ferguson. There's a new exactly. sanctuary movement going on in this country in response exactly. to the um, immigration, you know, situation. I mean, because there are a lot of people who are not covered by Obama's executive order who may have to leave the country. I mean, there was a really heartbreaking story about a, um, an immigrant mother who was forced to leave the country. And while she was gone, her children were molested. You know, she yeah. was unable to be there to protect her children because right. of the immigration laws in this country. Her children are American born. That's why right. they were permitted to stay. But, you know, this is the situation 
you know, for a lot of immigrants in this country, and not just Mexican immigrants or South American immigrants. You know, there are a lot of African immigrants, Caribbean immigrants, you know, a, a, you know, asylum seekers. I mean, I happen to have met one when I was, you know, in grad school. You know, he's from Pakistan, and he's doing everything he can to stay in this country because he's afraid of, of, of going home to where he's from, you know, because he's right. an atheist. You know? Right. And see, and that's the whole thing. I mean, that brings up, a, a, you know, another dynamic because, yes, you have, you know, people of color that are immigrants to this country, but you also have some ethnic whites. I won't call them white people. They are ethnic white people who are in this country, who are some are, you know, here illegally. Some are here legally. But what's interesting is they have flights leaving directly from, you know, the United States going back to um, Ireland and some going over to Poland. And what some of these people do is they come here, they work. Some of them come here and they get their disability. They set it up. They'll stay for a few years and then they go back to Poland or Ireland, you know, when they get their retirement or their disability, and they can go back over there and live like a king and a queen. But this is permitted. So when they stop people on the street to ask them about their papers to see if they're here legally, primarily they are stopping people, Latino people, and anyone who looks like they could possibly be authentic African or Haitian or Jamaican or someone of you know that nature. But they're not stopping these white people who may be illegal immigrants here. You know these, you know the Polish and. Irish and the Italian, they don't stop them. Why? Because there are ethnic whites and that is called white privilege. Right. Mm -hmm. And so these are things that we see and that we recognize. And these are things that definitely need to be addressed. And again, you know, with the systemic racism in this country, basically in order to overcome a lot of this we are going to have to dismantle and deconstruct this system. Well, I don't have high hopes for that. I just, I just don't see it happening. Either one of you, do you all see? I mean, no. Do you no, see, do you see yeah. people giving up their giving up their privilege? No. No. Exactly. I mean, I think you know, um, you know. I mean, we saw people shutting down the government, and there were people in this country who were in favor of the government shutdown, you know, despite the actual harm that it did, right? And they actually gained nothing by it. But I believe that there is something to shutting down the system if it's done right. correctly in the right in the right way by the by the citizens. You know what I mean? Now exactly. that didn't work because that was an empty gesture, right? But I believe that what's going on with um, you know, with the protests that we're seeing in these cities where people are, you know, um, shutting down streets and roadways and all of these other things. I think that I think that that's real. And I think if that's kept up, I think if we keep disrupting the system, I think we might actually see some change. But. There you go. There you go. You know, that would be great, you know, to be able to see some real change. And, you know, and, and, and that's what needs to be, you know, in effect. And it needs to have an impact, a real impact. And, you know, that's the interesting part, you know, interesting thing about that. This is something that we will have to continue to do. 
because unfortunately, um, with the Civil Rights Act being passed and signed, and a lot of people, and I understand, you get tired. You know, you get tired of protesting. You get tired of fighting. And that is what happened after, you know, after Martin Luther King was assassinated um, and, and a number of different you know, issues that happened during that time period and after, you know, with and people being Luther arrested. King. I mean, Megar Evers and everybody yeah. else being killed. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, we lost a lot of good people. And some of the names, you know, we don't we don't hear, in, you know, spoken. But, you know, a lot of local people, I mean, think about, Missis- think about Mississippi Burning, if you've ever seen that movie. You know, they were pulling bodies out of the swamp for weeks. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? People, people exactly. whose names they they couldn't even they couldn't even find. They couldn't even identify the bodies. You know what That's I mean? That's right. That's how many bodies were in that swamp. So, like, you know, we have to just keep, you know, that in mind. You know, people were people were severely demoralized by all of the state violence and not even state violence, but state sanctioned. Sorry, sorry, I can't speak. State state sanctioned terror. Because I'm hearing an echo in my earphones. I don't know where that's coming from, but um, but there a lot of state sanctioned terrorism went on. You know, there were there were state entities. You know mayors and governors and and police departments that were cooperating with the with terror groups like the kkk right exactly exactly and you know not only the you know governmental agencies but some of the churches were also participating in this because when we had chris everett on talking about wilmington on fire he was talking about, you know, how some of the edicts and the new laws were, you know, basically nailed to the church door and how the pastor would read them out. And when the, you know, the lynching and the riot started, which were not started by people of color, it was started by white people who wanted to take the town back. You know, the, the, the pastor would lead them to the black people's homes and stand out there and say, we know you're at home. Come on out here. And so, you know, you have to understand, you know, uh, again, um, that is why, you know, me personally, I had, I had a lot of issues with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and Jamal Bryant. And all of them going down to Ferguson in an attempt to, you know, co-opt, you know, this situation and co-opt this protest and co-opt this movement and to, to basically monetize from it, to profit from it. And I'm glad those young people sent them hightailing out of there because that is mm-hmm. not what they need. You know, it's like this. You, you know, you went down to Ferguson to Especially tell them that you're going to pray. Right. 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 You know, going down there to tell them that you're praying for them. You could have tweeted that shit. Why the hell are you going mm-hmm. down there to tell them? And, and, and the mayor of Ferguson surrounded himself with black clergy today. That don't impress us. As a matter of fact, it, you know, as a matter of fact, it makes us exactly. It makes us question these black pastors. 
because it's like, okay, what are you getting paid off? You know, they're already paying your, your, your water bill. You're already getting a major discount on your gas and your lights. You're already, you know, getting all of this property for a dollar or free and you still pay no taxes on it. So, you know, in, in city grants, state grants, you know, faith-based grants and, and all of these things and with no accountability, no accountability. So, I mean, I just don't trust the system that is currently in place. And that is why I am encouraging no, with every, exactly, with every ounce in my being, I am supporting these young people and I am saying, get some of these tired as old folks out of your, out of your business. You know, send Jesse and Al back home, send them back home. Mm -hmm. And I saw that statement by uh, Mike Brown's mother and, you know, that said, I cry. And I was like, I, I can't handle this. You know, nothing is going to bring her child back. But no parent should have to sit there and watch their child being put on trial via a, a, a news conference. You know, that was just, you know, they knew all along that they weren't going to, you know, um, convict Darren Wilson. And the interesting thing about this situation is now he's, you know, profiting from it because he was in negotiations with all of these news, you know, sources to see who would get the interview first. Apparently, ABC got it for George Stephanopoulos. And Darren Wilson is saying that he has a clear conscience and that he would do the same thing again. Right. So, I mean, you know, there is no remorse. It, so why wouldn't he do it again? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Right. The question and is how many times has he already done it and gotten away with it? Exactly. We'll never know. Exactly. And that's why, you know, it's a young man in Ferguson who has, you know, who's fundraising and he's giving the people in Ferguson their own camcorders their, you know, their interactions with the police officers. There have been people, these these young women created this um, software application. It's your cell phone, one of your smartphones, and it records the information in the interaction with the police, and it automatically sends it to the ACLU and a couple of other places. And if the person is getting arrested, then the other people are signaled that have the same application, and then they go over to witness the arrest to make sure that the person isn't being, you know, mistreated, mistreated. and that the police, you know, yeah, you know, didn't I say mistreated? Yeah, but you know, yeah, mistreated. No, no, no. I was, I was just speaking out loud. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. Oh no, that's okay. Yeah, you know, I had to because you know, with me, I'm liable to say any old word, you know. But um, you know that that's that's what's happening out there. It's a shame that we have to still do these things in 2014, and and then you have these people out here that are saying that they want their country back. These tea partiers, they want to take us back to, you know, before the proclamation. Um, I don't know about any of you all, but I'm not interested in living in that era of America. It just won't work. No. Not with me. They, they'd have to kill me. I mean, that's just the end of it. I mean, I would be no, no good. Um, I'll tell you what my mother told me when we watched uh, 12 Years a Slave. She said that she she said it would have been 12 minutes a slave. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and and it's it's just you know she's right. But I mean, I guess my question is, you know, the people that are out there, and I know it's quite a few of us that are devastated because we never thought that we would have to go through this again. I mean, I was, you know, I'm a '70s baby, so all of this was done when I was growing up, and you know, people again thought that they were living a high life and. Again, it's, it's just, you know, but how do you explain this to your children? Because it seems like the, you know, a dog is worth more, you know, than the, than the value of your child. They are. They are. Uh, did you see that story about the child that shot a police dog and got 35 years? 35 years. 35 years. Mm -hmm. Yep. For a police dog. Right. So. There you go. It's a shame. It's a shame, you know, and a friend of mine, you know, from way back, her brother went to jail for kicking somebody's poodle. He kicked that dog like it was a football and he went to jail. <laughs> he went to jail for like, they gave him like five or seven years. It was a long time. Yeah, it was, you know. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> I don't know. I think the dog survived, but you know, but that's that's a different story. Uh we have a caller. I'm gonna bring them in. This is six one four. May we ask This is Andre for uh, I was going to show a couple of days ago. Yeah. When you guys were talking about respectability politics. Yes, oh, sir. Hey. hey Andre. Hey. Yeah, you know, uh, just watching the news, and, and I just wanted to say after watching everything that has transpired, you know, just the usual, the usual reaction was, we all knew this was coming, but that doesn't mean that it still doesn't hurt after hearing right. basically the whole nation, you ain't shit, and right. you ain't going to more to be shit, and this was coming from the prosecutor. <laughs> That that's like I don't think that anybody like like on television with the blame uh, like didn't didn't recognize like like isn't this guy supposed to be the prosecutor? You're not the defense attorney. And also the media was also conflicted because uh, I don't know if you guys mentioned this earlier in the show, but Darren Wilson was talking with network reporters. Already before the season happens, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. he, and he had been negotiating. You know, who would get the first interview? And you're absolutely right. One of the things that many people found very about someone who was a former um, defense attorney and well, public defender. And they were saying that the prosecutor made some questionable decisions because they had never heard of an actual officer testify at a grand jury hearing. And, you know, other things. Yeah. And, and so, again, you know, well, not just that, but, you know, um, a lot of a lot of um, lawyers and, and um, 
yeah, well, a lot of the lawyers I've seen on television have said that, you know, a, a prosecutor can indict a ham, ham sandwich. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what that feedback is coming from, but it's really annoying. Yeah. Sorry, guys. But, yeah, um, there's a lot of ham sandwiches out there who are kind of left out. Like, wow. <laughs> like, right. you know, yeah, but the prosecutor has a lot of latitude in a grand jury hearing, is the point. And yeah. he did, he, he, you know, he's supposed to, he's supposed to be trying to convince the jury to indict along some line, right? He decided to take this sort of hands-off approach, which is very, very unusual. I mean, it just shows you that there was really no investment in in seeing no, justice done for Michael Brown. There was investment in his pocket. Tyler was afraid of Martin trial. Tyler was afraid of Martin case. Yeah, I mean, you know, you would have thought Angela Corey was on the defense team. Right. <laughs> yeah, she was smiling after the verdict. Mm-hmm. She was actually thanking everybody. Another thing I also wanted to mention was that, like, during this whole process, I, I'm trying to see, like, the level of hypocrisy in some people. Like, uh, you know, there's always this rush to have people, you know, be peaceful, everybody. We don't want to... You know, turn our own business and I and I'm as a general rule I'm against not I'm against that, you know, type of action. But I understand the anger that's out there and I'm not exactly. going to condemn people for doing that. And one of the things I kinda of found frustrating is when Obama came on on, you know, it did his press conference and he's talking about and I was watching MSNBC when this happened, and he's saying violence is never the answer as police officers are shooting tear gas at protesters. And I was right. thinking to myself, doesn't this asshole have a kill list? Isn't he the same one that's raising wars in like five other countries and also his drone policy? Exactly. Right. Here, man. It's like, true. It's and, true. And there's a friend of mine. There's a friend of mine who was a uh, a supporter of his, and she said this word for word. And she said, "The first time in years, I had to mute President Obama because this thing was really funny to me." Exactly. Like, yeah, right. I was like, "If uh, I really thought to myself, I hope this is their people's breaking point. Like, we got to stop supporting this dude." And another thing was uh, play, and we I go back to it for like respectability politics. Uh, you immediately started seeing uh, these posts like, "Well, why don't we care when you know people, black people, kill each other?" And it's kind of like, dude, really? We gonna go back there? Like seriously? Right, but it's a deflection. So when they come along and they say, you know, again, um, what, what Rudy Giuliani said the other day, mm-hmm. Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City. And so he yeah, yeah. was doing an interview of, you know, Michael Eric Dyson. And he was saying that if black people weren't killing other black people, there would be they there wouldn't be any white cops in these communities killing folks. right oh that's bullshit it, yeah it's interesting yeah, yeah it's that's interesting bullshit. that he said that 
I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. But it's interesting that he said that, knowing like his history in New York, like growing up, uh, you know, when you hear about these stories of South New York and his reign, like especially the Amadou Diallo case, like right. I remember the uh, the uh, Chris Rock skit uh, where he was asking New York, and it was one. This is still like they was a model. And he had on a fuck Giuliani t-shirt. It's like, like, does this guy not remember his own history? And it was kind right. of ironic that he said that because that was on, like, the same day as the respectability politics show. And I remember saying, like, it's just a deflection to, you know, away from when we were talking about white supremacy's role in all of this. And but so I get why there's a lot of white people that will do that, but it really kind of pisses me off what other black people do. I I don't, I think that they I think that they might think that they're being earnest in the whole situation, but I don't think that they realize what they're doing when they're when they're saying that. Right. You know? But it's racist. It's racist to to even to even bring up black on black crime, and the reason exactly. is because it's it, it it really is about um, invoking the stereotype that black people are uncivilized mm-hmm. and violent by nature. That's mm-hmm. what it's about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not about fairness. It's not about being balanced. It's about a a belief, and black people can internalize racism too. Exactly. We're not we're not immune from you know to the effects of white supremacy. You know what I mean? We 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 a lot of us, you know, are are very white supremacists in our orientation. You know, exactly. um, I think the black church is a good example of this. Oh, I mean Certainly, there are the many bla- many of the black churches that are out there are certainly an example. There are some black churches though that that definitely um, do sort of educate and their members and um, support social justice movements. You know, no, right? And, and, and enlighten structure. Yeah. Oh yeah, but um, I wanted to address that because we started talking about that earlier, then we veered off. But again, like I say, I point the finger at the secular community often and is with reason going to stop. But there are quite a few, you know, churches and, you know, like Lorena was saying, the sanctuary program that's being implemented all across this country. They have organized this. And it's interesting because I, I believe they heard some of our criticisms. And when I say that, I'm talking about collectively, you know, the people, the people out here that are hurting. They've heard those cries collectively that something needed to be done, that people are out here hurting and need help. And again, I'm pointing the finger at the secular community because we ain't organized anything. Church is still the focal point of the community. And again, I've stated it once before and I'll state it again. The current platform for atheism and anti-theism in this country that quite a few black people, you know, are behind them with their pom-poms and all, you know, their spirit club gear saying rah, rah, Uh atheism. 
This is built on white we got supremacy. Jazz going. But if you could, if you yeah, can yeah, go, if you could spend, if you, if you could spend thousands of dollars to fly somewhere to go to see a conference to to say, hey, yay, atheism. You could spend your money to fly there to see what's going on and 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 take part in the protest. Or, or exactly. even better than that, send send resources. Well, donate the money. Like to, right, exactly. To, to, um, Talib Kweli was on uh, Twitter today telling people that you know food and clothing and you know and and water and even milk. You know what I mean? Milk is necessary. Milk is what they're using to basically um, you know. Uh, help relieve their eyes from tear gas. Exactly, exactly. It soothes um, them, right. Right, it soothes their eyes. So, you know, there's all kinds of things. You know, there, you know, people, um, people are organizing buses. You know what I mean? Yes. So you can, so you can send money to help with that, that, or, and, and really, you don't even have to go to Ferguson. You can just, you, you've seen it. There are protests going on everywhere. They're Seattle, exactly. Baltimore, DC, that's right. New York, yep. San San Francisco. I think had one. LA had one. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, Toronto, I think had one even. Yes. You know, so yes. I mean, you can. We even have people over in Holland marching. Right. You know, and that's mm-hmm. why I was telling them about the Ferguson Action page. Go over there mm-hmm. and find you know a group in your city, and you know that's why I even acknowledge what you just said earlier. Even if you can't be in Ferguson. There, there is a protest in the city near you. Even if you can't do that, at least you can do is send in a financial or you know some type mm-hmm. of physical donation that they need. But I understand it's yeah. hard out here. This economy is kicking everybody's ass in one form or another. If you can't do any of those things, why can't you just send a note, send a tweet, send an inbox message, whatever, encouraging these people? You can't even do that. I don't understand. I am not well, understanding that organization. Right. Hello? Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, it's, it's just interesting. And that's why we're telling you all of these different formats of solidarity and protest are needed. You have people out here that are blogging about this. You have people out here that are, you know, on social media and all of this helps. Because, you know, there are some people that boo-hoo social media and call people social media activists or armchair activists. Well, without these so-called armchair activists and social media activists, we wouldn't have seen what we saw in Egypt. We wouldn't have seen what we saw in Syria. We wouldn't have seen what we saw in Turkey or here in America, especially Occupy Wall Street. And, and and when they've given these different demonstrations, you know, you got hundreds of thousands of people showing up. If we did not have social media, that would not have been able to happen. Hell, truth be told, if we didn't have social media, none of us probably would have met each other. So while you boo-hoo social media, you need to really think twice about that because, you know, these so-called people that revere you and that follow you, they never would have known about you had it not been for social media. So, you know, don't put that down. You need to stop that. You need to stop it because it's important. It's an important part of protest, getting the word out. And, you know, for some of these people, you getting the word out and you still only got two people showing up. So what is that saying? Oh, oh. So, you know, Kim, but anyway. People. 
Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, um, you know, it's just the whole thing is interesting. But there are a number of people that are watching this, a number of people that are watching what is happening in this country. I posted, you know, about the, um, you know, um, the justice minister over in France. And I found a couple of other stories that I may post a little bit later. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about you and your personal choice. And what's interesting is you still have people out here saying, well, we have to wait until the evidence comes in. Now you have seen the evidence. He has, you know, his story is unbelievable. It does not, it's, it's disjointed. The story that he gave the grand jury was disjointed. And unfortunately, you know, the prosecutor wanted it that way. The prosecutor was pretty much Darren Wilson's attorney as well. And this is why people were asking that the prosecutor recuse himself from this particular case. And he wouldn't do it. Now you understand why. The question is, where do we go from here? You know, well, there's how other do we... questions too. Like, why has he been oh, yeah. the prosecutor for 24 years? You know right. what I mean? Like, how does that happen? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, exactly. And, exactly. And the thing is, is that you know, people like that have political aspirations. I would not be surprised if he ran for mayor the next election cycle when you know for mayor of that city. And that is why I'm looking at these people in that city, and I'm like. You better vote his ass out. You better vote all these other people out. You all need to find viable candidates, you know, we'll start working with them and do a grassroots activism or community activism with that particular person to get them elected. And so, and I mean, and not just Ferguson, I'm talking about across the country, because again, the only way we're really going to get any type of change or any type of you know, um, real justice in this country is we're going to have to demand it. Okay. You know, it's time out for asking nicely because we've been asking nicely, asking peacefully and all of that. And the thing is, is that, the, you know, the more peaceful we get, it seems like they beat us even harder. And sometimes I wonder if it's just a cruel joke that they're doing take it. I mean, seriously. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just, it's interesting, you know, how all of this has come about. But, you know, again, um, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with, you know, some of the racist reactions to Ferguson. And again, you know, I know there are people who have been blocking other folks left and right. And so I guess I'll ask, you know, Andre, Jen, and Raina, you know, have you had to deal with any of that and how have you dealt with it? Um, the only uh, person that I, I wouldn't say black, I pretty much have friended was, uh, this is a guy named Kane Carter on YouTube. And he basically mm -hmm. kind of gave this whole, <laughs> this whole stance of, well, Where's the outrage when black on black crime? Other than that, I haven't really seen too many other people like really say much because they're all in my family. So <laughs> other than right. that, nah. Yeah. I, yeah. I blocked I blocked several people. You know, when I went to the um 
protest in uh, Philadelphia. I, I blocked a lot of, I mean, it was about a good 40 people back then. And, you know, wow. this go around limited, limited social media. Um, uh, I was out of like uh, range, but yeah, it's been about 20 people so far, you know, within the last, um, since mm -hmm. uh, midnight last night, about 20 folks. Um, several people, I mean, just from my posts, um, people have called me racist. Um, of course. For even mentioning it, you know. Um, you know, what about black on black crime? Um, also, the question um, even came up at work um, about the, um, the destruction, the rioting, and things like that. Um, I also had, I also had, like, a few comments, like, people talking about um, what I posted about the, you know, boycotting um, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And um, right. they were saying, well, what's this going to accomplish? Or, you know, this is just another knee-jerk reaction. And, you know, and, and, I, and I've been, and, it, and it's like after the last, after the last round of the last wave of people, you know, the 40 or so people I um, deleted, blocked, unfriended, what have you, um, and responding to those, I, I'm to the point where people who are on my page know me well enough to know and have seen my responses to, to other people to the point where they realize that, you know, What's the point in even bringing that up with me? You've already you already know what I think. You already know what my responses are. You're just being a straight jackass. You're just being a right. straight asshole. And it, and it's not right. even worth it's not even worth a comment. I just throw the throw them in the um throw them in the block list. Fuck them. That's what right. I say. Yeah. Agreed. Exactly. You know, so I mean, come on, it's everywhere. Like at some point, you know. You know, trying to explain this shit over and over again is tired. It's fucking old. I'm over it. I'm over it. You know, I did that. The, exactly. I did that the, with the with the with the last um, round when Miss Ferguson first got sparked. But you know, people who know me know how I feel about the issue. You know, for the most part, and those who and those who um, didn't know and decided to come to me with that bullshit, they found out quickly. Fuck them. That's what I say. Right. There you go. There you go. There you go. And I what's know. interesting is I'm going to repost that article that I put up. And when I posted this article on a couple of black groups, it really did agitate a bunch of white folks. And it was talking about how we need to have a new anti-lynching movement. And, you know, once I posted that article on my wall and in a few groups, I had white people coming out of the woodwork everywhere saying, why are you posting this? You're already, you know, you're agitating an already marginalized group of people. And, you know, they said, you know, you're posting hate speech. And, and, and I'm trying to understand and I'm saying if, if we're trying to promote anti-lynching movement, that's hate speech. How was that hate speech? Is it hate speech because you want to lynch and kill folks? And because I say, no, you know, I'm hating on you and taking away your opportunity to bag yourself a black person, you know? Yeah, you know, you need, we need more black folks to get in prison. So why, 
you know, why why have uh, laws and uh, against uh, against lynching and um, doing black people dirty? That you know, doing doing us dirty and throwing us in prison and things like that. That adds to the economy. They like that. They want that. You know, it's a business. Forget right. education. Forget schools. They're building prisons. You know, exactly. why why discourage, why discourage how they're making their fucking money? Why discourage you know their their investments? Why? Why? Yeah, you know? I guess I am it's hating on their money. I'm hating on their wallet. Right. So that's why. That's why. That's why I'm all for the killjoy. Yeah, you know, important one of my hashtags. I put. I put. Um, you know, I'm not distracted by the pudding pops. And I put on uh, <laughs> Kill Bill. <laughs> uh-uh, that's funny. And Kill, and kill, and kill uh-uh. Bill. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. That's like I have a pudding pop. Right. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. But you know, um, Judy said something on my wall, and it was for the win. She won the internet that day. She was saying how young some of these young youth, you know, some of our youth can now turn around and tell Bill Cosby that he needs to pull his pants up too. Wow. And so, <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, I just wanted to ask uh, y'all, uh, and I'm trying to figure out a way to ask. Uh, I saw the the reaction of Mike Brown's family, you know, the aftermath, and, you know, his stepdad is being real angry and, you know, saying that Bernie snitched out. And what was interesting, I saw, like, the press conference, I said it was going to be the Brown family speaking. It was basically the attorneys and Al Sharpton. I'm sitting there thinking about myself. Did they get counsel not to speak to the media, or and, and I'm sitting there wondering, are they basically trying to like funnel them into like like the system, basically? Like, well, we can't make change here. Well, we'll do the whole body camera law. So that's what I think was going on. I think they're basically they're trying to get them to just do whole usual liberal thing to, in terms of, like, activism. Does, does anybody get that sense? Um, well, I'm not sure. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to say, um, in regards to his parents and their reaction, I know that his father was out there and he just kind of rushed through and he was asking for, you know, four and a half, um, 4.5 minutes of silence because that's how long Mike Brown's body was laid out in the street. So he wanted 4.5 minutes of silence in respect, you know, to his son's, you know, um, murder. And the mom, she gave a video testimony, but I believe they're trying to kind of keep low, hang low, because right now the mom is, you know, possibly going to be indicted for an altercation that she had with um, Mike Brown Sr.'s mother when they were out there selling the Mike Brown t-shirts. 
and she told them that they couldn't sell them. And so I think right now they're just trying to lay low and stay under the radar as much as possible. Yeah, and you usually see them together, you know, Mike Brown Sr. and the mom, but there have been a fallout because of what happened. And I, you know, I'm not sure what's happening, but I think they're trying to stay under the radar as much as possible. But in addition to that, I also think that they may have been told to try to keep low because they had the Klansmen and, you know, agitators and people like that around. And the last thing we need is for somebody to hurt one of Mike's parents, because then, you know, we would just have an even bigger issue. And this would spin more out of control because, again, they will get a reaction from that. So I'm not quite sure what's happening, but with the mom specifically, I think she's trying to lay low until they figure out if they're going to charge her and, you know, the mother-in-law or Mike Brown's Mike seniors, um, his mom may drop the charges. And if the mother drops the charges and the state decides to prosecute, then we already know what time it is there because then it gets into a situation whereas these people are now being punished for, you know, standing up and, and breaking their silence in regards to the state violence that was brought against and used against their child. Right. So, um, yeah, we just have to keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that and to see, you know, what's happening there. Um, again, I, you know, I want to urge parents, let your children see what is happening, explain it to them, and not just one time. You know, you want to make sure that these children understand and that they know. And I understand you want to give your children everything that you didn't have. You want to give them a life that you weren't able to experience or not experience fully. I understand all of those things, but by not keeping these matters in the forefront and educating your child on these issues, it hurt them because I'm a part of yeah. Generation X. Generation X, Generation Y, um, we let a lot of stuff slip past us. But uh, our parents were trying to give us everything that they didn't have. And again, they were, they believed that, you know, that the playing field was being leveled out. And in all actuality, they were actually tipping the scales more in their favor right in front of our eyes when we just didn't see what was happening. And so um, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate. But um, that and, you know, some of these people I hear that, you know, I see the tweets and I see the statuses going by. And, you know, some of these white folks I hear are just absolutely clueless. But the other, some of the other ones that are out here, they're doing this on purpose. You're just an asshole with nothing else to do than to agitate us. And that's why I have not been engaging these folks um, since last night. And I'm not going to engage. As a matter of fact, I'm getting ready to start blocking folks. So you can send crazy ass inbox if you want to, and we'll see what happens. But... Um, I'm just sitting here, and again, Strange Fruit 2014 per Dr. Anthony Penn. You know, he's on Twitter, 
So you all can go out there and, um, you know, retweet and see what he has to say. And he just got on Twitter a couple of days ago. But, um, you know, Dr. Hutchinson, you know, she did some tweeting. She made a statement. Um, we're putting together a statement to release from Black Skeptic Chicago um, in regards to what's happening here and our support for the protesters, you know, all over the country, not just Ferguson, not just Chicago, but everywhere. Because again, you know, this impacts all of us. And what I love about these, you know, millennials is they understand they understand that this is more, this is about more than Mike Brown. This is about more than themselves, you know, and they're trying to impact and affect change across the board that helps all of us. But unfortunately, white supremacy is woven into the very fabric of this country. It is written into the constitution of this country. And unfortunately, if it is not white centered, and in particularly white male centered, if they are not getting the entitlements or the best or first choice, then they have a problem with it. And that is what we are dealing with now. And I just go ahead. recognize, I just want to recognize um, and, and have everyone else recognize the role of young black women. In That's right. Process because a lot of young black women have been responsible for organizing these protests, for teaching the, um, you know, teaching the youth communities how to organize, how to de-escalate. That's you know right. I mean? And all of that, a lot of them have, you know, been volunteering, making lunches, you know, right. um, you know, assisting people, you know, with, you know, medical issues, um, right. you know, all kinds of things. I mean, they, I mean, you know, not to say that young men haven't been, you know, also right. instrumental, but I think it's I think it's worth noting that right. a lot of young black women have been at the forefront of organizing these protests. So exactly, and I I uh, posted an article about that a few days ago, and when I'll find it and I'll post it again because we don't want this to turn into the same situation. Um, that we had with the civil rights movement and the black power movement in which it was very patriarchal and the women that were part of that, their roles were, well, their importance was diminished. And, you know, the importance of the men were uplifted. And when a lot of the women, even then were the chief organizers, the chief, you know, donators, you know, they, they put everything in this civil rights movement, people don't realize that it was two marches. The men went down Pennsylvania Avenue and the women went down Independence Avenue. And the women that were leading that march were the ones that were on the forefront. So you had Coretta Scott there, you had Dorothy Height, and you know, a number of other notable women um, leading that particular but not march. Just that, but not just that, I mean, you have to also rethink the roles of these women too. Like, right, like of course. Rosa Parks, like Rosa Parks, you know, everyone, I remember, you know, hearing that she was a secretary in the NAACP, but no one ever, ever um, elaborated on what that actually was. Because we're thinking, you know, when we hear secretary for the NAACP, we're thinking, oh, she just took, uh, no, you know, dictation, you know what I mean? And notes, mm -hmm. you know, and, and brought coffee and sandwiches. But, you know, she was, 
she was an activist. Exactly. She was a real activist. She was a radical exactly. and she was an activist. And she decided to put her body on the line after seeing Claudette Colvin arrested. That's right. You know. Exactly. And for those of you that aren't aware, Claudette Colvin was the original one that was arrested for refusing to give her seat up. But due to the respectability politics of those days, she could not, they couldn't put her to the forefront of that fight, which is how Rosa Parks ended up sitting in that seat and refusing to give it up. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So it's important that you know that. And, you know, actually, you know, maybe we'll do a show, um, you know, highlighting some of the women, you know, that have been working with this, you know, Ferguson protest and organizing and we want to give them some recognition. So we'll try to reach out again to get some of them on the line because we want to make sure we recognize them and congratulate them on a job well done. Because, again, if it was not for social media, I believe that this would have been another story that would have been covered up and we would have been told that we're taking things out of proportion and that it didn't really happen. Well, at least not that way, you know, which is what they're trying to tell us now. And I, for one, am tired of them trying to play me for the okie doke. You know, what What you see is not what but really did you, happened. Did you, see the, did you see the way that the prosecutor tried to blame social media media for the misunderstandings and yeah. the suspicions regarding the um, investigation. No, we have suspicions based on the investigations based on things that you and the state police uh, did, you know, in terms of investigating the scenario. Right. You know? Exactly. Well, um, you, uh, if, if you want to see something there. really... If you want to see something that's really uh, interestingly hateful, you know, check out the American Humanist Association page on Facebook, and they have a you know a meme posted about humanism and Black Lives Matter and things like that. And right now they got over 500 comments on here. Where and some of these people are just hateful, and they're supposed to be humanists. Crazy. Right. Oh my gosh. I had a. I had someone. I I saw a. Um, uh, someone who commented on, I think Dr. Yabo Blaze's um, page, and she was taught, she had put the hashtag Black Lives Matter, and um, this white person uh, said, you know that's terrible, you know that you would put someone else, uh, you know someone's life above someone else's just based on skin color, and Yabo Blaze explained, you know saying Black Lives Matter isn't saying that white lives don't, it's saying that. It, it, it should it should tell you that you know we live in a society that doesn't automatically assume that black right. lives matter that we even have right. to say that you know exactly we shouldn't even have to say that this is a statement of love you know what I mean exactly exactly and it's something that we shouldn't have to state it's, it, right. but we are not given a choice because they refuse to see our humanity. They refuse right. to see the humanness that is in us. And, and, even, and even humanists from the secular community do not see it either. Exactly. 
Exactly. 100%. You know, I'm on that and I'm, I'm definitely with you on that, which is why I'm not letting them off the hook. Because again, for the secular community to be against all of these isms and phobias that are, you know, allegedly, or they attempt to tether to religion, which is a logical fallacy in and of itself. But, you know, again, these isms and these phobias for this community to be so against these, these things, why aren't the larger organizations putting their foot down and putting their foot in the asses of these jerks that are out here harassing us? Because this is the thing, you know, this is why we create our own enclaves and our own groups, because we get tired of at being asked, why do you have black in front of your name? We're getting tired of being asked, what, what is it like to be a black atheist? I ain't never been a, a white one, so how do I know? what the difference is. So, I mean, you know, little ignorant things like that. And then what they do is claim that they're asking these questions um, under the guise of being quote unquote educated. I call bullshit on that. You're asking me these right. questions and because they, you're trying to agitate me. And they belittle our experiences while they, while they, you know, shout these, you know, post-racial platitudes. Like we are right. all Africans and, you know, this is, you know, we live in a country, you know, where opportunity is, you know, available and plentiful and, you know what I mean? They sell you with all that crap and then they, and then they belittle your own experience. You say, well, okay, I'm looking for those opportunities. Where are they at? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about it is, Again, this here is the real level of why we need social justice, why we need to talk about leveling the playing field, why we need to address the wealth inequality gap. And, 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 and there is proof, clinical studies and proof that shows that leveling the playing field will cost us less money. It will be cheaper to just make it right. But they'd rather spend the extra money. And I have to find that study and put it out there again. But again, it's about, you know, white privilege. It's about whiteness being the center of everything. And, and then what's interesting about all of this is, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about how we're harassed. You know, again, when we dare to say that we are human beings and dare to exist outside of a role of servitude to white people, then they attack us. And so, like I said, well, I the rule last. Go ahead, Rena. I was going to say in response to what you're saying about the saving the money, you for you, you know that's probably in terms of just public money. But you have to right. remember that a lot of people in this community are libertarians. And exactly. Are, you know they are. They are, you know, they are in love with neoliberalism. So exactly. they don't, they, so they don't really care for, you know, public, um, you know, public, you know, services and social, and right. social safety nets, you know, so they, exactly. you know, they're invested in these corporations and private interests and, you know, private, private companies really don't, aren't, don't have an investment in equality. They exactly. Really don't. I mean, there's a, you know, to, I was listening to, um, MP, well, not NPR, but local um, NPR affiliate in, um, mm -hmm. you know, in Maryland, and they were talking about model minorities, you know, and, you know, per capita, you know, Asian Americans, 
make more money than than um, most other uh, ethnic groups. But right. the problem is, is that they they get stuck in in middle management positions. They there's a right. bamboo ceiling is what they call it, and the reason right. is is because you know um, after Japanese um, the Japanese internment you know camps you know, the Japanese crafted their strategy of becoming, you know, model minorities, right? And right. other Asian groups followed. And so they 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 basically set themselves up to be an exploited working class. And that 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 system, that model minority trope, you know, is what right. keeps them from being promoted. Exactly. In a lot of cases. They get stuck in those middle management positions. And so we have to, and, 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 and corporations, you know, like I said, are not invested in equality. They want, they want to exploit labor. Exactly. exactly. Inequalities to exist. They don't want living wages. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. They, they are invested in capitalism and capitalism yeah. is definitely tethered to racism. And again, yeah. you know, being poor and, being a minority is is costly and and is for the powers that be so that is one of the reasons well the main reason why because regardless you know whether we're on a plantation or whether we're in the prisons or whether we're you know sitting here working for you asking people do fries go with that shape they are going to profit and sure. you know when we talk about you know some of the people in this community who come from old money, what we're talking about when we say that is this money has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and that wealth was built upon the backs of slavery. And that is how they made their wealth. And with some of these people, this is why they still resent blacks. That is why you can have the Doug Dynasty guy saying that black people were happy under Jim Crow. That's why you can have right. Paula Dean saying, you know, some of the stupid shit that she says. And, you know, a number of other people is just not them. You know, and 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 that's because again, you know, as you know, Raina and I talked about this earlier, and you know, I've stated this, and I've even put the quote up. I'm not gonna, I can't recapitulate it verbatim, but you know, again, you know, <laughs> your silence will not protect you, and basically, you know, even if you smile and grin while these people are abusing you and and mistreating you, and you say nothing. They will say that you enjoyed it, and, and 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 it's just it's absolutely mind blowing. But what I said yesterday was white supremacy, and I'm talking about white supremacy in and of itself. It creates radicals and revolutionaries. Mm -hmm. So they have created a problem that they don't know how to fix. And right now, I believe quite a few of them are in fear. And so don't be surprised if they try to promote a new revival in this country, because that is what happens. I think we're getting ready to have another scare about socialism and communism in this country. And they're going to try to put together another revival because, you know, Jesus can unite all the people in this country, according to some that are here. But, you know, they're going to have to do something to try to um, 
fix this besides trying to kill everybody out in the streets. And for those of you that are, you know, pointing the finger at these protesters and, you know, making all of these self-hate, you know, self-hating, you know, um, comments, they're out there dodging bullets. They're dodging bullets and tear gas. They're getting beat. And at the end of the day, when something comes from this, something positive, something constructive comes from all of this, you're going to be the first ones in line trying to get to reap the benefits from this. Then what, you fucking hypocrite? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to ask uh, one other question because I've really kind of thought about this, like, because I thought to myself, what if that was me and, you know, what if that was anybody else I love? If I just want to ask you, what, how would you want people to respond if what happened to Mike Brown happened to you? Would you want them to get involved in activism? Would you want them to stay peaceful? You know, be violent? What would your wish be? Jen, do you want to tackle that? Snipe the motherfucker who did it. There you go. There you go, Raina. Um, I didn't really hear the question clearly. I apologize. So. Uh, my question was, if what happened to Mike Brown happened to any one of you, what would you want people's recourse What action would you want what them would to What would I want them to do? Oh, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, nothing less than, than him going to prison. You know what I mean? Period. But um, I guess since that didn't happen... Uh, what they're doing now, and I mean, I, I definitely agree with, you know, I agree that, you know, um, body cams, you know, are a step, you know, what I mean, right. in the right direction. But, you know, body cams can't fix an institution that is that is racist, you know what I mean, right. and its orientation mm-hmm. towards people of color. That is that is one of of a a slew of solutions that need to be implemented, you know what I mean? Exactly. For, for you know for things to be fixed, um, right? You know, I I think a lot of other things need to be implemented too, like community review of police, right. police actions. I think that communities need to have a um, a more involved oversight. Have have more yeah more well no not just oversight but to be more involved in and right. actually crafting police policy, you know, right. and and, de- and determining how police need to be trained and how to interact with the public. You know, I think exactly. that, um, I think that police, I, I really think that police, um, I think that police, you know, there are a lot of countries where police don't even carry guns. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm not That's saying true. that, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, necessarily they don't need guns at all. I'm just saying I think that it would be a good idea for police right. uh, in in communities to know the people that they serve. And um mm. and you don't get to know the people go. that you serve by yeah. going around intimidating them and, you know, condescending to them and throwing I your think power selected around. for that purpose. I think there's exactly. I think that they run I think they're definitely selected for that purpose. 
Exactly. Oh, because, I, um, I agree. Was That's a, the problem. And it was a controversy a while ago because they were saying they didn't want highly intelligent people as police officers for a specific type of person. We're down to the last minute, and I wanted to answer Andre's question. Now, my answer is going to be a tad bit radical, different than other folks, but this is me. If someone were to kill me, um, you know, whether it was like Mike Brown or, or any other way, well, what I would tell my family to do was if that person has children, kill their children one by fucking one so they'll understand wow. what it feels like that is my answer wow. so wow. okay yep she wasn't, she wasn't thinking about that being more radical okay well all, all right, right guys powerful well, last minute of the show guys um <laughs> 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 stay tuned. Stay tuned. And we'll have episodes for from next for next week's show. And uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was like the how to get away with murder finale right there. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all come back now, yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I mean, it's just a little fantasy. Just a little fantasy. But yeah, that's you know, start ticking out everybody that they love, but let them live. So they have to deal with the psychological ramifications of the of the choice that they made to kill me. Period. So anyway, on that note, I think we're gonna close on out of here. And uh, <laughs> Sunday, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about Sunday. Um, I do want to do a show eventually about grief, disappointment, and mourning. But knowing me, we probably will be doing another show Sunday on Ferguson because I'm sure it's going to be a whole bunch of articles and a whole bunch of ignorant people that's going to piss me off between now and Sunday. And so we shall see. But on that note, I would like to thank everybody who called in, Jen, Andre, Reyna, um, and again, Black Lives Matter, and we stand 100% in solidarity, not only with the, with the protesters in Ferguson, but the protesters across this country. If you are not able to get to Ferguson, try to get to a, you know, a protest in your city or town, or hell, maybe you can even organize one. And, and if that's the case, if you can't do that, send in some donations. And even if you can't do that, at least send them a word of encouragement. Every every action helps. Every action matters. So on that note, I am out of here. You all have a great evening. And this is Black Free Thinkers, where we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. You all take care now. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Good, good night.